Welcome to the OCR Disrupt Podcast with your hosts, Nick Day and James Rockley. Hello and welcome to episode three, episode three already, OCR Disrupt Podcast with myself, Nick Day and James Ruckley. It's been an interesting time since the last podcast. Lots of chat on the Facebook group, so thanks for that. We're going to include a lot of the shout-outs and content that, uh, and uh, feedback we've had on the previous debates in today's podcast, so stay tuned for that. What are we going to talk about today, James? So many things. Starting off with the advice from a guy who's broken it all, going to run into a bit of cramp and shin splints and how we can look at managing them with calf guards and any other ergonomic aids or, or means that we have. Of the debates today, we're going to talk about HIT workouts or high-intensity training versus skill acquisition. We're also going to talk about the OCR World Championships, which are obviously coming up in a couple of weeks. And we're going to talk about uh, potential ways of cheating. Yes. James knows a lot about, not because he is a cheater. I was going to say, where are you going with this? Uh, Yep, and we're going to have a quick look at what the band system um, arguments, debate, whatever you want to call it, uh, brought up and what the public thought about that. We're going to go into a kit review of gel, uh, what we think of them. Yeah, some of them were tested in today's race. We're recording this just after Spartan Beast. Uh, Finished that a couple of hours ago, drove straight here, got stuck in traffic. I'm still in the same gear I wore at the Spartan Beast. I'm stinking, smelly, muddy, cut up next to to James. But we did test some of those products in today's race, so we'll tell you how they went. Going to go into a quick race review. Which ones are we going for today? Got to talk about the Spartan World Championships. We do, yeah. And we'll have the toughest Copenhagen results as well. And I guess the Spartan Beast from today. Spartan Beast and uh, Tough Mudder World Championships. World champs. Yeah, so a couple of, of World Champs taking place before the, the, the big one coming up in a couple of weeks as well. And then, would they beat John? And then we're going to finish up with Foot in Mouth, the uh, award for the week. Award of the week competition. There is a shout out to two famous OCR athletes out there. So stay tuned for that for a Foot in Mouth moment. Race tips from someone who has broken it all. Brilliant. So let's crack on. Part one. James, give us something on how to manage cramp, compression, shin splints and so on. Over to you. So, read any article in any magazine or any website of any company and they're all going to tell you that their product is the one for managing cramp. And a lot of the time it's loosely based on a load of crap that's actually not scientific at all. But actually it turns out with compression gear, if actually you look into it, there is a little bit of evidence here and there on how it can help you. So for those of you suffering with cap, I think, uh, cramp, I think calf cramp is probably the most prevalent cramp we have, wouldn't you say? Calf yeah, cramp. probably. I actually suffered with both hamstring and calf cramp today in the oh, Spartan Beast. The Holy Grail. Yeah, I overtook uh, one guy, so I, I think it's coming to get his name, he beat me in the end, but we were both cramping around the, final, <laughs> around the finish. And I know that uh, Alan from Team Phoenix had a, a real issue with calf cramp uh, today in, in, in his race, so yeah, I think calf cramp is probably the most popular. Not, not good for him, though. Uh, issue with breaking his leg in half last year, didn't he? So yeah. this year, calf cramp. That's... I think he said looking at the bright side, he'd take cramp over a broken leg. Yeah, true, there is that. Um, yeah, so just look into the research of cramp, really, and there is a lot of evidence to suggest out there that while compression sleeves won't have, uh, affect cramp themselves, they do reduce the impact of muscle vibrations when the foot lands and when the muscle contracts and other fatiguing factors. Um, and by adding compression, they do force uh, toxins and other metabolites that build up within the muscle and the blood out of the, blood, uh, the muscle, which reduces the likelihood of cramp. There are many other you know, suggestions as to why they help. But with cramp being so poorly defined medical condition and no known cause. What I've heard and what I've read is cramp tends to happen as your body's kind of survival mechanism to say, hold on, you're putting me under some severe stress here. I'm going to Mm. stop you from doing it. So the more you train at the kind of distances or or intensity of the, well, it is it's causing the cramp the first time, the less likely you are to get it as your body adapts. Completely, Completely. but obviously race day is always going to be different. 
I mean, there is an aspect out there that a lot of people in research are suggesting that it's more of a neuromuscular fatigue. So the brain or the spinal cord is actually just getting tired and the muscle isn't receiving the impulses it wants and as such is just contracting and, you know, not being willing to relax. And that is why you get a cramp, sure. But again, so many competing theories. But what the research does say out there is that whether it be through reducing the vibrations through the muscle, whether it be through squeezing the muscle and pumping the crap out of it, whether it be from placebo effect, because let's be honest, that has a huge role in most things. A lot of the research does say out there that cramp can be withheld by using um, compression clothing and beyond the placebo effect a lot of people do have marker uh, differences in inflammatory markers within the blood so not just in terms of during the event but if you're going to use compression clothing after the event there is a lot of evidence in footballers to suggest that you will recover a lot quicker so well worth looking into so that's compression gear post race as opposed to when you're racing both both so yeah wear it during if you want to prevent cramp um, and if you want to obviously pr- uh, improve the recovery um, time that you're going to take post-exercise, then it seems like it helps there as well. Most people on a start line now, I think, tend to have the calf guards on. Yeah, that or leggings where you know, have the calf guard aspect as well. Yeah. But I wear them also just because it's better when you're doing rope climbs and you're doing rope traverses. Yeah. It stops the skin from hitting the rope. Yeah. And it's a bit of a protector rather than a cramp preventer. I mean, yeah. It's nice it does both, but most I, of my calf guards are shredded. Yeah, of course. I think it's the, the longer ones as well. Like if you're wearing leggings or compressed sport with some really long calf sleeves, they're likely to give you a little bit more protection. I know that Virus, who I used to be sponsored by, did some very nice calf sleeves, but they were really quite short. Yeah. And they would give you absolutely no protection on the rope. So, yeah, the longer one's definitely more useful there. Great. So, if you're not using calf guards at the moment, then... If you're suffering with cramp, have a look at them. Give them give a try. It a go. Worth testing. Like anything, test it before the race. So don't suddenly put them on first time at the World Champs. Yeah. Try and, try and test them beforehand. and Make sure you're, you're comfortable with it. And get the right size. They're meant to be tight, but I've seen people wandering around in sizes that are three sizes too small. And that can't be good for your muscles, so... I think I've definitely done that. Yeah. Fantastic. Well, listen, let's get into the first debate of the day. Time for a quick debate. We're looking at HIIT training versus skill acquisition. As always, me and James coming from slightly different uh, points of view on this. Um, I'm definitely in the camp that HIIT training is a better way to go. Specifically talking about training for OCRs. So my background, people won't know necessarily, but I was part of the the beginning of Freeletics, Mm -hmm. which is a really, really popular app out there at the moment, which does a variety of of HIIT workouts. And certainly when I started doing HIIT workouts intensely, which I'm not doing at the moment, but my performance is drastically improved i know there are athletes out there like jesse betts who is a bit of an ambassador now for, for likes of freeletics because it's all about getting your heart rate right through the roof maximizing it being able to recover quickly i think if you want to make quick gains and you restrict it on time then hit workouts are really really good obviously shedding the weight is going to help you on obstacles yep. which is something that i need to do at the moment to get back to hit training i saw your suite covered on the way here in the car jesus christ i'll put it on the facebook chat my suite covered in my car is quite impressive it's ridiculous but I do do hours upon hours in the car every week. I don't think that's a, you know, an answer that's acceptable. It's absolutely acceptable. God, you get so bored. You get so oh, bored. No, mate. You need some peaches or bananas in there or no, something. You get a mango on you. doesn't satiate the, the, the willingness for bad food. This is why I'm struggling with my weight. Um, so, yeah. So, I'm, I'm a big fan of HIIT training. Finesse is one of many, many uh, trainings out there. I've done the Insanity workouts. Mm-hmm. I think a lot of people out there have done Insanity. And I think if you want to make quick gains, uh, Insanity is a really good way of just pushing your body to get used to all that additional stress you yeah. know it's, it's a lot of them are compound exercises so you're doing a lot of push-ups you're doing a lot of um, squats you're doing a lot of jumps a lot of plyometrics i think it's worth pointing out at this stage neither of us are saying that the other training isn't good no no for sure for because sure. i think you'll agree that you know specific skill training is very useful and i'm going to completely agree that hit training or high intensity training has its place massively mm. 
I just think that for obstacles, if we're talking obstacle completion here, not general fitness, you're, in my opinion, much better off doing some simple skill acquisition training outside of obstacle braces. And then when you get to a training facility, doing a little bit of obstacle training and not doing constant, continuous training throughout the day where you see people go to training facilities and for three, four, five hours, they are trashing themselves, breaking their hands to pieces. I'm much more a believer in go there for the same amount of time, three, four, five hours and do something once, have a break, wander off, come back and do that kind of thing, which for me allows me to better learn a skill pattern rather than overloading shall I say I think the biggest Um, risk is injury for both we don't give ourselves enough recovery time yes so if you're doing insanity workouts it's pretty much every day this is it if you haven't done it before they're they're pretty hardcore on your body so you you don't always give yourself enough recovery and the same with the skill acquisition so I went down to Scotty P's PT barn uh, for some training last week and one session of cut up my hands and already then the following day I went down to nuclear did some training there and cut them up again and today I've done the beast and we're two weeks out from the world champs and all my hands are cut up this is it so skill you know the high intensity stuff there where you've done plenty of stuff within a short period of time is absolutely fine once you get sort of accustomed to it but I think that while you're trying to learn office hands have office hands keyboard hands that's why delicate very soft hands if you if you were to take a little bit longer of a rest break, I'd imagine were you pretty much intense going on again and again and again? Or? Yeah, I, I definitely made a mistake though of going down to Nuclear Phoenix within twenty four hours and yeah. then beasting myself again, which I ended up having to race today in gloves because I was too worried about mucking my hands up. Well, good the debate we had last time of gloves or no gloves. I went against all of my own advice. And how did that go for you? Yeah, not very well. I tested some new gloves I've never used before. Shout out to Robin French for the brilliant suggestion. I thanks. think he was trying to make a place up on you. Yeah, thanks, Robin. I, I used uh, some gloves that Robin recommended. And, yeah, they were great when it was dry, but we had pouring rain today. And on the first rung, well, obviously, I've never failed before. The spinning monkey bar thing. Twister. Twister, that's the one. First rung. Hand on. So basically, rain, basically you... you by holding your body weight and that was it yeah that was it Yeah, and you know bear in mind these are quite thin grips there's yeah. really no excuse for coming off even with gloves yeah. but I came off on the first rung A I was already looking at the second one without ensuring my grip on the first and the glove I took the gloves off you know monkey bars later which were still soaking everything else fine Yeah, but didn't test the gloves wore them in the race rather than having them on me which is what I recommended in the last podcast yeah. that you do and putting them on when you need them now I went straight in had them on the whole time they were soaking wet gave me absolutely no grip fell off 30 burpees lost two places but definitely a lot of people nowadays they seem to work on just using high intensity training or lifting around heavy weights and I think that there really is a place for sitting there and using just skills I think too many people are do too much one day and they're not enough for a long time but it's quality versus quantity as well isn't it that's what I mean yeah so with the skill acquisition you want the quality throughout the day every day rather than just one hour bang get it done so go on then as someone who is clearly now started from a poor place in obstacles by your own admission couldn't do monkey bars at all on your first race and now is hammering muscle ups and all sorts what do you think is like a perfect training week so for me it's about doing quantity throughout the day that quality reps what does the research say high intensity training on something like a bike has been shown that if you do just i think something like three minutes a week is more effective than running two 5Ks a week for increasing aerobic training, uh, fitness. So, I think it was Chris Hoy, but he used to make himself sick, training yeah. so hard that he would always do a session and vomit at the end. Yeah, yeah. A lot of people do in, in running track as well, don't they? Train to vomit. God. I'm all right, thanks. <laughs> so, yeah, I don't know where we finished with that, but it's not really a debate. It's talking about HIT training versus skill acquisition. I think that HIT training has, a, for me, a bigger place in skill acquisition. And I guess I would go the other way, but I think they're both vitally important. OCR Disrupt, attempting to tackle controversial conversations. 
So I know that people are out there at the moment have seen a few Facebook posts about a certain gym which James went out to train at and was unable to do so. And I know that everyone's been going, what happened? What's what's the story, Morning Glory? So we did find a really good poem written by Beth, who was out with James at the yes. time. And we just felt that, you know, get a bit of a female perspective on what happened. Yeah, it's, it's a mess at best. Uh, I turned up to Mike's gym to train in their world's camp, or train in their world's camp, shall I say, with a number of other people. A number of us were just banned from going in, told we weren't allowed, that weren't welcome there anymore. Half of the Mike's gym team turned up and were told they were banned. And that's pretty pretty crazy. Now, no matter what I say, people will always take what I say as just being rude or arrogant or whatever. So Beth Hancock is a lovely young lady, isn't she? I don't know if you know Beth. She is very well-spoken, very polite, not very rude. So she was one of their team who... I don't think she was told she couldn't go, but I think she was advised... But she's that... actually a team member. Yes, yes. Okay. And a number of the other team members, Rob, um, Justine, they turned up, were told they weren't welcome, they would no longer be welcome there. And these people had paid money to go and train there. But yeah, Beth, extremely well-spoken. She wrote a poem, which I will try and do justice as I read. And this was uh, an ode to Mike's Gym, I guess you could say. Started off as Team Mike's Gym, but then they wouldn't let us in. What's the reason why, you ask? It all started with Garth's broken heart. When times were tough, they claimed to say, don't fuck about, but really they meant fuck you over, one by one, until the damage had been done. And just when things can't spiral down, new team names started coming round. Team Runkley, not a name you'd like, although even that would beat Team Mike. As so World Champs camp has changed a bit, but gladly we're still getting fit. Less monkey bars and more sangria, as the World Champs is getting nearer. Climbing mountains, jumping cliffs, we've really made the best of it. So bring on worlds, we're still a team, as crazy as the whole thing seems. Mike really did pull quite a stun, but now we know he's just a rather unpleasant man. Go. We thought that was an absolutely beautiful film as we were sat there. So, in there. Well done, Beth, for your great articulation on the subject. Yeah, sorry I'm not the best at reading poems. It's not something I've ever really had to do, but... This is OCR Disrupt, so I invite Mike's gym to make a comment if you wish, to get in touch. Yeah, like I say, when I say something, it doesn't necessarily hold its, hold its value, but when Beth says something, you know it's coming from a good source, so... Let's talk about cheating at the World Champs. So... James seems to think that cheating happens a lot more than I realise. I am maybe completely naive to the fact that anyone would cheat so blazingly as apparently they have done and James has witnessed at other events. So as a complete layman to this, I'm quite excited in a way or or intrigued to know just what methods people have gone to, what Mm. methods people have gone to to cheat and what we should be looking out for at the OCR World Champs this year and whether or not we actually think anyone's going to cheat. Now, of course they will. I mean, the drug testing is one and I know that's the only thing I'm pretty confident there'll be people out there that definitely are taking things that they shouldn't. We drugs test first, second and third. Exactly. Not even fourth, which is crazy. Exactly, right? right? So third place last year was disqualified off the podium. Fourth place moves up. He wasn't drug tested. Now, Hunter's an unbelievable athlete, and I don't think he's on anything, so that's fine. But if it was someone else, sure, you know, then if you if you're really going to be looking at a system where you're going to move positions around, you need to be top, you know, testing the top five, top and ten. And with respect to any of the, any of the athletes within the world, there are a number of phenomenal athletes that have been done for. Yeah. it doesn't always matter how good you are to say it doesn't happen exactly so you should, I do think we should test more and I do think OCR we talked about it with the uh, tops or no tops debate mm. uh, shirtless running shirtless or not you know there is a certain ego and arrogance within the sport people like to look good and we mm-hmm. set ourselves a social precedent for performance 
And I think if you can get a performance advantage and no one really know about it, and if you're not going to get tested because you're going to finish in the top 10 or beyond, mm-hmm. or if, you know, top top 10 in your age group, depending on what you promised all your mates at home and you want to, want to show that you've done well, I reckon that's probably the most prevalent, in my view, yeah. prevalent form of cheating. But And I do think there should be, in addition to the top three, I think it's, as you say, it should go down to probably the top five, top seven. Mm. But I also think they should do uh, more random testing. Yeah, just pick random people. Groups. Absolutely. Just pick them in. Yeah. Completely random. Pick ten random people in the elite and then three random people in every age group. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, no, I completely agree. Beyond drugs, though. Yeah. So, yeah, enlighten me, James. What have you seen out on the course? We talked a little bit about some of the other races, which mm. about the Euros, but you, you've I seen mean, it firsthand. Everyone knows that at the Worlds, people hide their wristbands, right? I'm sure you've heard of this. Yeah. People will take off a buff that they have around their neck and wrap their wristband in it, or they'll take their wristband off and hide it in a pocket, and then when they get to a marshal, if they fail an obstacle, they'll just be like, oh, I've lost my wristband. Doesn't matter. They'll have a time penalty added on. They will then continue the race at the end. They'll have their wristband present. And they'll say, no, no, I shouldn't have any time penalties. I've got a wristband. That's common practice. We know that happens. But that's one thing. We all know that happens. This year at the Euros, we had something that I thought, you know what? They, you know what? Let them have it. That was so innovative. I like it. One team were a lot of their races going out in groups of four. And two of them would complete an obstacle and run off the course. The next two would complete the next obstacle and then run off the course. So between the four of them they were only completing half the obstacles each. Do you understand what I mean? Yeah. So athletes one and two would complete obstacle A. Athletes three and four would complete obstacles B. And then, you know, once you've done your obstacle, you run off course, cut the course, go to the next one. And then they were getting to the finish line all fresh and that was being seen. You know, I, I know a number of people that were English caught them doing that. A uh, number of the marshals reported it. And that's really quite an innovative way of cheating because you can't really single one of them out. Um, the bands in the Euros were those sort of plastic camping bands that you get. Okay. So what a lot of them were doing there is because some of them were staying on campsites as they were nicking extra bands and presenting them to the marshals to cut the camping band off. Um, or they were folding the bands up and wrapping them really, really tightly into like almost like a thread so they didn't look like wristbands so they could be like no band. And carrying on. no band chick. Sure. <laughs> Hence the hiding. So this is how this is how naive yeah. I'm like, why would they hide them in a buff? <coughs> so no they're hidden so they can go through saying no band. Yeah. And then they'll have a time penalty added or they'll be, you know, sent around somewhere else uh, and then they can claim at the end that they, they, you know, they can't have had a time penalty added because they finished with their wristband. And we saw that day in, day out uh, at the Euros. Um, they were pretty hot on it, but it doesn't matter how hot on you, you know, these things you are, you're always going to get someone that gets through with it. Now, I think that in the top 10, top 5 of, you know, elite, sorry, top 10 of elite and top 5 of age category, you're probably going to be all right. Most people have integrity, sure. know they're being watched. But when you get into, like, the older categories and things, you know, it gets a bit ropey sometimes. So... I think they're going to have to pay a big tour, a big eye on that. And you were talking about as well, people coming with like tack or mm, tacky, yeah. So have you a pine tar? I believe it is is what they use in weightlifting. Um, I've never heard of it. No, I hadn't until the the Euros. Basically, it's a super sticky resin that you can put your hands on, and literally it will glue your hands to the obstacle for a short period of time. So they use it on like Atlas stones when they have to lift them up and they don't want their hands to slip on the dust. Um, I know that the handball players at uni use it because one of them had a tub delivered to uni the other day. And, yeah, just like a super sticky glue that you put over your hand when you grab on something. I mean, I'm trying Isn't to... that prohibitive on an obstacle, though? When you're trying to take yeah. your hand off, it just yeah. sticks to it. Well, uh, this is it, and it's worse for the people coming after you. So what you'll find is that, you know, if I went through with tar on my hands, that when you came through after me, your hands would really stick to it. And they did have a few cases at the Euros, I think, two or three years ago, where hands literally had skin ripped off because of this stuff. So they've banned that, but obviously it was banned this year. Polish athletes were still caught using it. I'm sure they will try at the world. So it'd be interesting to see how that's managed, especially with the world's being such a sticky course with mud. See, I think one of the things people are going to try this year is they're going to try and get away with wearing metal studs because it's going to be a really muddy course. Mm. Anyone knows nuclear, it's going to be potentially a lot of rain. 
potentially a very muddy course where studs could have an advantage. Massively. I mean, if I was to run a nuclear races and had a preference on shoe, I'd wear the uh, studded ice bugs that I mentioned in episode one. So yeah, definitely, I wouldn't be surprised. I don't think I've ever seen a race check for them either, post-race or even finishing a race. No, there was that whole scandal a few years back when Ryan Atkins was caught wearing yeah. them at the first, when they weren't banned. So no, that's they absolutely weren't, fine. They weren't banned, no. Um, I think Mudstacle made a big thing of it at the time. Caught uh, an excellent photo, though, didn't they? Yeah, yeah, yeah. definitely. Uh, but since then, I don't really I've seen anything. I know racers don't check for them. There are plenty of racers that say they're not allowed in their rules, but, you know. But it takes two seconds to check. You know, as you check your band as you come to the finish line. Yeah, check your shoes. Check your shoes. You can see footballers have it before they come on the you know, yeah. sideline, they check their studs in the boots. I think, yeah, the finish line, that's a really good idea, actually. I'd never even thought it of it. It takes two seconds. That. As silly as it sounds, those studs, I think there's 17 on the bottom of an, uh, an ice bug shoe, and they make a huge difference, especially on like a half pipe. Sure. You know. Or anything wood as well, where it gets yeah. really slippy. I don't know if we've got, what's this, the Samuel obstacle this year? I don't know if it's going to be in the world this year. Oh, they but, t- they've had that out for a few years. So that's an example of a great obstacle you get, you get real benefit. Yeah. So what are we looking out for then for cheaters this year? What, are the, what do we think is going to be most prevalent? What can they do to prevent it? We both think they should be more. Drug, drug testing, testing of course um, we think they could probably check shoes at the end of a race definitely it'd be interesting to see the wristband system how they work that one and um, what we suggested at the Euros for day two after we'd caught plenty of people on day one is that you wear a watch on the right wrist uh, sorry left wrist and you wear a wristband on your right wrist you wear nothing else on either wrists so that we can see your wristband sure and maybe that's something that the world will consider I think there's going to be some innovative ways of trying to adjust for the wet if it's wet yeah there always will be uh, interesting we'll wait and see I've, again gloves with um, uh, metal hooks in them I think we discussed that earlier in the year, didn't yeah, we yeah you, you did yeah yeah and I think that was caught at Euro so something like that maybe what have other people seen if you've seen any other kind of form of cheating we're not talking about the uh, the Eddie Wetton randomly cutting half a course out at the Euro oh god <laughs> And not realising. He got lost, all right? Until the end, having thought he'd, uh, he'd got first and, uh, and, and ended up, unfortunately, missing about 5k of the course out. Yeah. Uh, but, I mean, I don't know. There's, there's always going to be opportunities to cut on courses. Yeah. I think that's going to be something in nuclear. Presumably, gonna people, there's going to be options where people can back, go back on yourself because if it's going to be 16k, it's going to be some out and backs, yeah. my thinking. We'll wait and see. Not far away. Not far away at all. And while we're on the OCR World's conversation, let's talk about the bans or no bans debate. We had a public have spoken yes. in the comments group. There actually been some really interesting views on it. Yeah, I completely agree. I think we both agreed that um, there were a couple of uh, examples that, that I, you know, not liking bans, can totally accept would be good solutions. I think James Burton talked about there being no retries once you've lost your ban. Yeah, and I really like that one. I think I, I tagged you in a, in a post on that and said that I really like that. I think it's a brilliant idea. So on the first obstacle, say for example, monkey bars, you can retry as many times as you want. But when that but band is gone. If you get to the next one and you fail the rig, sorry mate, no retry. There's no need for you to be retrying, you've already lost your band, you're out of the race effectively, on you go. And I think that's a brilliant idea. I think that's a really good idea. I think that, that takes away a lot of the queuing that I have an issue with. Yep. So yeah, a really good idea there from James Burton, uh, who has actually just joined Nuclear Phoenix. So uh, Phoenix James, look out for him, he's left Mike's Gym's team. I think everyone left Mike's Gym's team, haven't they? So he's I now... think their current team name chat is actually Fuck Mike's Gym. <laughs> so if you are, you're in that team, good luck on you. So James Burton has now joined Nuclear Phoenix, uh, which will be interesting because he's in my age group for the Worlds, along with Dassos. So uh, that's another someone else that will be uh, supporting and running against and probably losing to, but they'll, uh, they were both in good form, so welcome James to the team. Uh, Andrew French, also from Nuclear Phoenix, got up with a good idea. Yes. For the bands, no bands. So Andrew said... Two extra goes or retry lane for the first time. So if you fail an obstacle, you get two extra goes in the retry lane. And the second and third time, you move retry lane. Is that correct? Is that what I'm thinking I think the idea is you move down the lanes. Yeah. So then when you're off, you're off. Yeah. So you have three retry lanes. First retry lane on the first attempt. Yeah. 
If you fail that, it goes to the left to the next retry lane. Then moves to the third, and then you're done. Yep, if you Lost fail that third retry lane, then you're out. Off you go. And uh, it, would keep, it would keep the queues fluid, I think. Yeah. I mean, you'd have to be careful, and you'd have to carefully mark the retry lanes, because let's be honest, it's very easy to just cut left to right, and there's, you know, oh, I failed the second lane, or I failed the third lane, I'll just, or the second lane, I'll move back into the first lane, you know. I think you'd get a lot of that. But you mark them clearly. You put a wall between them. Yeah, that would work. That would work really, really well. Uh, maybe if you put, you know, even a wall straight down the middle of the obstacle so when someone drops off, they can't just walk back. It'd be interesting as well to see how many people actually successfully made it on the final attempt when you yeah. know you have to or you're done. Yeah. Uh, so I like that idea. Another yeah, good one. And again, it makes, for me, it's all about keeping the race moving. So I don't dislike the band idea if we can make it work. And then uh, Will Harbour. Yeah, with another very similar idea. I'm surprised he had it, to be honest, because he usually does everything first time. I thought he'd be on my side of the fence and going, we don't need a band, just just do everything first time and do your penny or not. But uh, three retries only. It's just, as you say, managing that, checking the retries that you've had. Yeah, yeah, which I think blends beautifully into Andrew's idea of having those lanes if done properly. Yeah, and you'd have to filter it. So as you finish one lane, the, the marshal filters you into the lane two yeah. and filters you to lane three. So it could be done. Yeah, definitely, definitely. Good idea. Uh, and I want to make a quick shout-out as well today. I mean, Spartan Beast we'll talk about in a minute, but the marshals and volunteers mm. in OCR. I mean, they it doesn't work without them. A good friend of mine, James, uh, James Allen, did some marshalling today. He was up at 5am to get Spartan Beast. James is always marshalling, isn't he? Yeah, he's, you know, there's a, a lot of people that do marshalling out there. He was up at 5am to get to the race. For our benefit. Yeah. And, you know, running around the course today, thank you for those who I've never met before who gave a couple of shout-outs to the OCR Spot podcast, wondering where the next one's going to be. Here it is, we're recording it now. But, um, yeah, I mean, it's... Today, I thought they were absolutely excellent. Yeah. Throughout encouraging, some familiar faces, some not. Um, for me, I just didn't have an appreciation of just how early some of these guys get up to get there in their own time. They're there before you are, aren't they? That's the thing we don't realise. <laughs> doesn't work without it. Um, I'm sure that the OCR World Champs are going to have a number of... Uh, volunteers getting involved yeah. and you know sometimes we're a bit se- I'm a bit selfish I'll probably go in and just think do my race I pay my money Off I go. leave it and I don't really give too many thoughts to the volunteers yeah. I'm always polite and, and say thank you when, they, when I get you know, around the course but actually when my race is over for me I go home yeah that's James is still out there and it's pouring down with rain today I mean it's horrible yeah 5am in the pouring rain watching people probably today a lot of people falling off in the wet as well encouraging arguably that's much more fun though if possible, <laughs> cold. Uh, so I want to make a little personal shout out to the volunteers. And if there's something we should be discussing, if there's a debate to be had on the volunteering, let us know what that should be, and we'll raise it up because uh, I'm sure you've got your gripes as volunteers. You know, what are the things you hate that us racers do? Is it a lack of appreciation? Do we give you too much abuse? You know, let us know because I want to know. I'd imagine at Spartan Race there is plenty of abuse for the marshals, isn't there, with all those burpees? But. I like to think I'm always polite and of I always course. give a smile, but I'm, there's only one time I've given uh, a marshal some grief. That was at Spine. We did the uh, traverse walls, the block traverse walls. Oh, yes, I think you told me about this. The block came off yeah. in my hand and yeah. I came off. I was still holding the block and yeah. I still had to do my burpees. Yeah, I think I once got radioed through um, because a Mud Queen group tickled and pulled me off of a wall, uh, traverse wall again, at Windsor, I think maybe two years ago, and I was asked to do burpees. As I was reaching for the bell, like I say, I was pulled off and I was like, no, you can... You can jog on, I'm not doing the burpees. I've just been pulled off of the wall. I did my burpees, reluctantly. Uh, it probably was a bit abusive. I was like, just give me another... Go. I don't mind going again, but mm. I've literally got the thing in my hand. Yeah, yeah. Here it is. No, burpees down. No, I was I was saving myself from being abusive and just ran off. I was slightly angry. So uh, apologies, whoever that was, who took the... Uh... <laughs> I'm sure it was a very polite and well-spoken abuse as well, though. Possibly. I don't <laughs> think I get too aggressive. But uh, yeah, so a bit of a shout-out to you volunteers out there. Right, we're going to look at the kit review. Our kit review. 
used today in Spartan Beast. We're talking today about three different products. We've got the basically gels in particular, you versus CIS. Science and Sport, yeah. Science and Sport. And we're also going to talk about the Caffeine Bullet, which for those aren't familiar, was developed by David Hellard. Uh, I think he did it on uh, crowdfunding yes. to get it launched. He also runs the Bad Boy Running podcast, which is an excellent podcast if you haven't heard it before. Uh, so we tried all three products. I'll let James start because I tried mine today, so I'll give you my results in a minute. But uh, what's your view, James? So, having used every one of these products, not necessarily in a race environment, I've used caffeine bullets to keep me going through many different shows at the London Expo. And I used to use science and sport gels, however, they didn't always agree with me. I now use goo. Now, I only got introduced to goo, I should say, in the openness or fairness, shall I say, uh, as I started working for them. Um, So I only got introduced to goo when I started working for them. Now, they're considerably thicker. They have about half the content that a science and sport gel will have. Um, but they have about half the content of water. So whereas a science and sport gel may be 80 grams, a goo one is around 45, I believe, and that is purely just difference in water. It makes them a lot thicker, and it makes the flavour a lot more intense, but similarly, it doesn't react to my stomach as badly, I think maybe because there's less of it, there's less water gushing around in my stomach. Um, so I'm a goo goo fan. You, uh, you, you didn't realise how much caffeine content was in the caffeine bullets? I didn't, yeah. No, uh, at the London Marathon Expo, when I was working for goo, uh, I went off and got a large cost of coffee, had a salted caramel goo gel and then necked four, I think four or five caffeine bullets, um, thinking they were all like a quarter of a coffee. So I thought, you know, overall I might have had two, two and a half coffees. And I think it turned out that my Costa was two coffees, uh, you know, double shot. My goo gel was effectively one coffee. And then the caffeine bullets were, I think, one and a half coffee each. So I ended up having effectively about nine coffees worth of caffeine in, uh, in one hit, much to the dismay of poor... Mike Martin, good old Freya Martin's better half, um, as I ran around like a nut job for the next three hours. Absolutely wired. Yeah, it was probably not the best time to come and view that stand. I was running around like a a child in a sweet shop. Goo energy gels, you get 32 grams of carbohydrate on the average uh, goo energy gel sports nutritions, and they are vegan and gluten-free as well. They are indeed, yeah. Lots of flavours. You can get Espresso Love, Jet Blackberry, Chocolate Outrage, Vanilla, Mandarin, Strawberry, Banana, Lemon and Lime. Oh, and the two best ones, if I'm going to throw it out there. Salted Caramel. I say two best ones, there are three. Salted (laughs) Caramel, Caramel Macchiato, which tastes just like a Starbucks coffee, um, and Salted Watermelon. Oh, no, that sounds horrendous. Trust me, the salt cuts the watermelon beautifully. It's incredible. Probably, you know, I think when they introduced that to me, I turned my nose up at it massively. But uh, once I actually got some on the spoon, it was delightful. So, yeah, really worth having a go at that one. The, the caffeine bullets, they have 100 milligrams of caffeine Correct. per... Like, I mean, they... I, they're chews, aren't they? They are chews. I don't think anyone's tried them. Like, I love... I think they're brilliant things, and mm. they do give you a boost. So 100 milligrams is about... The, I mean, an espresso is about 63 milligrams, so yeah. almost two espressos. Yeah. So it does give you a kick. Um, and if you... I've used them on my long, sort of long training runs in the morning, and they do give you a bit of a kick towards the finish. Yeah. But they are a bit, they do taste a bit like a cross between a mint and uh, and they, they kind petrol. of stick at your petrol, yes. mint and petrol. Yeah. They do kind of stick in your mouth. Yeah. You can't quite get rid of them afterwards. So I wouldn't say they're the most desirable product. But they get, get the job done. They do, they do. I mean, I, I, I think they're brilliant. I, I mean, mean, they taste like rocket fuel. Yeah. Like completely. 100%. Debate, debate today between goo and, and uh, science and sport gels. For me, I'm a huge science and sport mm, fan. You are. Uh, I tried both today uh, in the race of the beast. Now, the problem with the goo ones is they're just too thick. Mm. I feel like you need water. Like you need a water stop coming up. We need to take it at a water stop. Science and sport ones are isotonic, mm-hmm. so you don't need to take... So are goo. They are as well, yeah. right? But they don't seem as thick, so you don't need to take water with them for them to work. Like I say, it's double the water content between the two, isn't it? And you do notice it. 
You and do if massive. you're racing, you just notice it a little bit better. You don't feel like you need a water stop to get them down. Get 22 grams, though, so there's slightly less carbohydrate on the SOS mm-hmm. um, gels. 22 grams of carbohydrate. I tend to say one every sort of half an hour. Mm-hmm. Uh, which, you know, that's... Goo say every 45 minutes. So with the carbohydrate being about two thirds the same. Yeah, the sure. The same. So it makes the same. So it really comes down to digestion. And they both kind of do what they say on the tin, I guess. Completely, yeah. For um, me, less product, easier to digest with the goo. And, you know, less often having to take it. But for you, clearly it works the other way. I think it's good to combine the two. The caffeine bullet, definitely recommend if you need a bit of a power fuel towards the end of a race. No, the good thing about caffeine is it reduces your perceived exertion. Exactly. So you just feel, you know, it's not necessarily it gives you the carbohydrate that if you take it with a carbohydrate gel, then you A, you get the carbohydrate that your body needs, and then take the caffeine to increase your perceived exertion, which is which is really good. And then the good thing about the caffeine bullet is they're really small, so they're yes. really easy to package. They are, yes. So you can, you can carry a few of them. So. Although not waterproof in their packaging unless no, you definitely not. They do end keep up them in there. In a sticky mess. Oh god, pinning that. Out your pocket a few days later it'd be vile i've done it? that several times actually i'm not, yeah. not gonna lie so but don't leave it to the world champs to test gels obstacle course race results upcoming events and athlete shout outs so quick race overview you've been out to copenhagen yeah so tough to copenhagen last weekend oh it's a hard life someone's gotta do it uh tough copenhagen last weekend uh incredible race it was the first season finale of toughest now, for those of you unfamiliar with Tuffer's season finale, uh, we have a chasing pack start. So what happens is throughout the year, every race you win or podium or place at, you are accredited points or seconds. Now, those points that you're accredited or seconds later translate into the final race of the year as a head start for the guy that's leading. So Ludovic this year, Ludovic Rettmaster, had 400 points, which meant he had a 40-second head start or thereabouts. Wow, on, huge. Yeah, it is massive, isn't it? On Krista Selman, who is in second place. Uh, Krista Selman then had five points more than David Nordstrom. So David Nordstrom started five seconds behind Krista. So it's really a, quite an interesting race. The guy that goes out in first place, when you've got a 40-second gap, you know you don't have to push it, you can take it easy. But when you're in the third place, chasing five seconds down, the whole race is to play for. And then in fourth place, you know, we had Nikolai Dam, who was another 30 seconds behind. Um, the race finished with Ludovic holding on to his lead, finishing in first. David Nordstrom finishing in second. Um, and Krista Selman in third. It was a pretty close and crazy race. There was a real chance for a moment that uh, Nikolai Dam, who started you know a minute behind, was really up there um, until he messed up on the rig and, and had to take a penalty. So really, really close race there. So just here, even at that level, people, they can still make mistakes. Completely, yeah. I think um, Ludovic took the easy lane on the rig, I think. I'm sorry if not Ludovic, but everyone else failed the hard lane. They were trying to make wow. up positions and a few of them failed the easy lane. So really tough rig out there, really cold day as well and been through a few rivers and lakes at that point. So quite a lot of the big boys failed the rig. And even on the day before when we went out to practice the rig, I failed it first time I tried it. Yeah, um, the women's race, really competitive as always at toughest. Karen Carlson started five seconds in front of Linnea Iverson um, and uh, Anika Rungard-Thompson, or Anika Th- Rungard now, she dropped Thompson, um, and lost that five-second lead within a couple of hundred metres. Wow. Um, as Anika just ploughed out of nowhere and just went on a rampage. Um, she led the race for most of it, but then it got to some of the obstacles and she failed quite a few. She failed the spinning wheels, failed, I believe, the flying monkey um, and took a few attempts at the ramp. And in the end, Danaea Iverson, last year's toughest champion, came out of nowhere. Well, I say out of nowhere. She was, you know, again, leading for quite a lot sure. of the race to win. Karen Carlson placed in second. Um, with Anika failing the ramp, she thinks she placed in like fifth in the end. And wow. third place was Anna Svensson, who started a minute behind again, I think. And just really put the effort in. And that's what's really cool about the starting pack at Toughest is I've never seen two people start a race as quick as Hilda and Anna Svensson did there. They're both of team skins. And I think, you know, Anna was a minute behind. Hilda was 90 seconds behind. I think Hilda finished fourth or fifth. 
She went out like a bat out of hell. It goes back to my bands or no bands question, Lacey. It's always a race. It is. It's unpredictable. You know, you can be right towards the end of a race and suddenly you think you've lost it and then the guy in front of you or the girl in front of you fails the rig and you're right back in it. Completely. Doing your penalty, taking an easy lane. It shifts. It's exciting. Yeah. It's exciting yeah. to the last, which is great. So, yeah, no, exactly, exactly that. And, yeah, it was, it was a really crazy race. So, just a quick roundup of that absolutely eventful weekend Ludovic took the first place in the toughest tour yeah I believe David Nordstrom in second I may have said it wrong around earlier and I believe Chris is in third my apologies if that's the wrong way around guys um, and then in first place Linnea Iverson in second place Karen Carlson uh, who obviously will be out in Canada uh, sorry Canada in Essex defending or her third place at the Worlds last year second place one of the two um, and then Anna Svensson who pretty much always podiums around toughest and was the first toughest tour winner sure. so. and we've had two world championship races take place I think the first one was tougher, the Tougher Mudder World Champs yeah that sounds about right and we've had the Spartan World Champs let's start with the Tougher Mudder what were the results there James? the unknown gent that came out of nowhere wasn't it Brian Albin absolutely smashed Brian it Albin. Yeah, I, think yeah. Catherine, I heard from Catherine that, that Brian Albin won it <laughs> <laughs> oh god we're going to get a hit uh, yeah so John Albin absolutely smashed it as he always does came out of nowhere I think is probably the phrase for him, um, and took a, a Tough Mudder World Championship with their first one with Ryan Woods, another phenomenal athlete, uh, very close to him, I believe, in the race, taking second place, and Mark Betreas, who I'm unfamiliar with, taking third. So well done to them, and I'll let you do the ladies' results. Well, a familiar story with her, talking about John Albin, really. Lindsay Webster, no surprise to anyone, yep. winning Tougher Mudder. Uh, second was Anel Rojas, and third, Rose Wetzel. Yeah. And a friend of mine, um, well, new teammate, Dan Corner, did his first Tough Mudder race and one, yeah. A fifth race, five races. A big shout out to Dan Corner or Phoenix Dan. Uh, he's done five races now. He's won all five. He won Tough Mudder and beat Tristan, mm-hmm. which is quite an impressive scout for your first race. And, yeah. and Tom Tweddle, so two very very quick guys. This bit of gossip on Tough Mudder as well. They they did an announcement to say that they are changing. They've listened to people's feedback and that they don't want to be seen as a, a, a business that doesn't listen. Fair enough. That's exactly the right course of action they should take. Okay, and wow. they are going to be introducing. Harder Fast. lanes. And I heard a rumour today, I don't know if this is true, I'm not going to give true. you my Bite your tongue. Bite I can't, your tongue. You know what I'm going to say, don't you? I can't believe it's true either, just because everyone knows the race for I mean, this who is the source? Thing. You can always edit it out. But I've heard that Spartan are getting rid of the burpees next year. No, I mean, from what I've seen of the American races this year, they've been making them do half burpees, so that's always good. <laughs> this is true, although they, today's race, I word is, since we've been doing this podcast, is the guy that won it, who beat Tristan today, a Portuguese runner, has since been disqualified for not doing... Good enough burpees. Those that were listening five minutes ago before we went off on a tangent, rightfully so. I can edit it around the other way, don't worry. Yeah, no, don't. Just leave it in. It seems good. Um, Alvin. Alvin won both Tough Mudder and Spartan Worlds. Yeah. So well done to him. Not surprising, obviously, having just won the Skyrunning Worlds as well. Followed very closely by Ryan Atkins. Yeah, I think there was a 15 second gap and I think Ryan led into the last climb there from led to beef correctly and then John just sort of timed it perfectly really the really really technical and intuitive race so well done there Robert Killian in third, in third. so you know really really competitive field there and, and uh, we had a few uh, a few English competitors in the top 100 uh, Tom Solomon came in in 99 yeah who uh, I raced with today uh, yeah. had a good old chit chat with him towards the end he, got, he was one space ahead of me today uh, Jesse Betts got 53rd and Luke DeBen 46 really well done from them and we tried to have a look for Jack but we couldn't find Jack Apologies, Jack. So we can we only find the top hundred. Yeah, um, but obviously Luke and Jack do the OCL audio podcast, so they'll do. I'm sure a much more detailed yeah. feature on that race. Than Definitely the, the check them out because they do a great podcast, and I offend a lot of people on it regularly. So that seems to go quite well. That's very Spartan 
focus, yeah, so for sure. And in the girls' race, uh, again, Lindsay Webster. Absolutely smashing it, isn't she? She's a phenomenal athlete. I think she'll be favourite to take home the uh, title in, sure. in Essex very shortly as well, mm. so well done to her. Never in doubt either if you saw the race, she was no. home and dry. And Rebecca Hammond, second. And I've, I've pronounced it many times before, so hopefully I'm right. Susanna Cockamover, uh, I believe it in is. Third. Yes, um, so well done to her. And uh, and today we had Survival of the Fittest. It is still going. It's a much, you know, it used to be a really popular race. They used to have 10, 12 of them, didn't they? They only have the one or two now, don't they? Yeah, I think they're reintroducing two more next year, but they've just got the one race up in Nottingham. That was won by uh, Nuclear Phoenix's Monique. So well done, Monique. You are an absolute monster. She is racing very hard at the moment, but yeah, she was up there. She won the women's race in uh, Survival of the Fittest. And was second overall. Mm. Yeah, exactly. Impressive. So We don't know who won it, but... no. Shout out to Monique. care about that. I guess we should probably return to the Spartan race that we started 15 minutes ago. Yeah, yeah. And uh, do the women's results. So obviously today, Portuguese runner disqualified. Tristan ended up coming first with Scotty Barker. I don't second. know who then gets third. Uh, oh no, it might have been Jesse. Jesse was fourth. Mm. So Jesse would have got third. He's phenomenal, isn't he? He's an absolute monster. Well done, Jesse. But for the women... Natasha Mansell. Yeah. Andrea Birkenes. Um, and then Jade. And Nicola Johnson in fourth. It was a really good race. I'll, I'll do a very, very quick review just because I've done it today and it's fresh in my mind. No, please do. An interesting start to the race for me. I, I'm, I was supposed to be doing all three races. I'm not because it was just too much away from my family. So I'm just going to do the beast. But I printed out my super start for tomorrow, which starts at 8.30. So I thought my race started at 8.30. Got there with nine minutes to spare before the start legged it through my phone fell out of my pocket somewhere on the field thankfully someone handed it in I picked I love this you knew that you'd lost your phone when you got to the start line or the registration but you just left it well I had no choice I had nine minutes to get changed I wasn't changed when I got there could you not just run a different wave and gone and found your phone yeah but then I would have missed my start I feel like a start is cheaper than an iPhone 10 yeah well I didn't I ended up racing with a little with a bit of anxiety but the worst still I got there so late I didn't make it to the loo before the race yeah well this is this is a problem This is I think this is a whole other podcast but yeah you're right please I've never been so uncomfortable on a log carry and it happened to be a log carry no, yeah, pun, I was gonna in, say, but no yeah, pun intended yeah you had to carry two logs by the sounds oh of it oh my god I was racing well I got up to third place at one point I overtook a few people on the bucket carry it was all feeling pretty good anxiety of the phone you know forgotten until I, until I finished the race that was fine I couldn't run I couldn't do anything I was just in bits trying to get through Carrying a, <laughs> carrying a log, carrying a... <laughs> Couldn't afford a rack lift, could you? Yeah, I'll tell you what, I, was, I actually thought I was in trouble. I was, you know when you start getting the sweats? Yeah. And you're going, I don't know what to do. I mean, do. no, I don't, but yeah. I was looking around for support, and Ross McDonald was a little bit further back with Tom Solomon. I was like, I don't know what to do. There was nowhere to go. You know, eventually uh, it kind of eased slightly, but the race, I'd lost, I think I lost about six places <laughs> in the log carry. And it was, it was a war of attrition after that point to get through. And then I started cramping towards the end, which probably didn't help. Whether that's effects or not, I don't know. But, I reckon uh, you were just so tense from... I think I was the quickest person through the finish line, straight to the portal. Strava segment, please. <laughs> yeah, check that out. So uh, anyway, my bowels aside, um, I finished in 10th, which will be now 9th, because I think I've heard hey, that guy's been uh, disqualified, which is all right. It's about, about where I should be, really, with the amount of training I've done. But uh, yeah, some good performances out there, some, some good familiar faces on the start line. I think Spartan did a really good race. Yeah. Difficult terrain, boggy, bracken, lots of like twigs and tree branches in your way through the woods, lots of bogs, lots of carries, more carries than I've ever done any other Spartan race. You know, we had about a 1k log carry, we had a, the bucket carry, which was heavy, we had another sandbag carry, we had a 2k, a 60 pound sandbag carry through, I mean, this isn't just on flat, this is through horrible terrain as well. Yeah, yeah. So, really did beast you with the carry today. So, I thought that was really, really good. Uh, obstacles, standard, obviously, obstacles. I mean, I came off with the, with the glove thing earlier, but apart from that, I got 60 burpees, missed the spear. For those looking for the technical, toughest type races, that's definitely not what it is. No. But I think there's a place for that kind of race today. I completely agree. I mean, I was going to go to the Spartan tomorrow, I think I told you, but yeah. 
unfortunately tweaked my ankle this week, so I'm not going to risk it. But yeah, no, completely. I, I was really looking forward to getting out there and seeing what they were like. Everything again. was doable. They had the rope climb. They had the, the twister. They had the you know the monkey bar. The interesting monkey bars today, which were up and down rather than just straight. I like it. Levels. The only disappointment was the multi rig because it wasn't the multi rig. It was just not. The, I mean, it was ninjings. I mean, I, I, at I, different I, heights. I like what Spartan are doing and trying to do it was a really good race the credits our volunteers were fantastic yeah. horrible conditions it was a lot of people struggling with the cold today but I don't want to say too much more about it because I imagine our friends over OSL Audio would do a much better review yeah yeah they're very Spartan uh, Spartan I'm very Dorisit today pardon me they're a bit Spartan orientated they'd be very Spartan orientated I'm not suggesting that you over OSL Audio are a bit farmery but you do like your fields we'll leave that to them but I think upcoming races there's only really one we should talk about what's that? The OCR World Champs. Oh, I thought you meant like Reaper Race or something. <laughs> yeah, no, of course. World Two Championships. Weeks. I mean, it's a bit hard to talk about because I don't think they know what's happening yet. And I don't know what's happening yet. Does anyone know what's happening with... Does anyone even know what obstacles are going to be in this the OCR is it. World I Champs? mean, normally, with the, you know, the best love to all of them, I get on so well with all the OCR World's team. Normally, there's a lot more going on, a lot more of a buzz going on. But I'll give you the world's worst kept secret, which is Stairway to Heaven is definitely in because I've seen that they've made 15 lanes. Yeah, yeah. 15 lanes, which is a great thing for the queuing. Apparently, I hear on the grapevine that there's been a falling out and there'll be no urban sky obstacles at the World Champs. You heard it here first. I don't know if this is true, by the way. What? Who's had a falling out then? Uh, no urban idea. Sky in the don't world? know. Don't want to know. Don't want to speculate. I definitely want to know, but I don't want to attest Speculate. to no I just heard there'll be no urban skull obstacles interesting I know that well, which is a bit of a shame because at World Forest Gym they've got a load of urban skull obstacles that we can train on and practice yeah. on but then probably not going to be in the worlds because apparently they're not going to be there I mean they're technical and they're hard however there are other races having their obstacles there which will have access to urban sky so whether Viking race bring them over or someone else so that, Viking race coming over I believe they're bringing some obstacles right okay because last I'd heard they were really struggling to get races there oh well maybe I'm wrong I mean, I don't know. I don't we, know. We, you, you must know. This is the point. There's, there's so little. I know out of what, there. I know of one up race that's going. I know that Nuts are building their Full Monty. I don't know if that's public knowledge. Or I'm what's, allowed to say it, but I have now. I don't know what that is. What's the Full Monty? Full Monty is the multiple twenty-one jumps over wooden beams that you then have to touch the floor between. It yeah. just destroys your legs. It's not a technical obstacle in the slightest. Okay. It just destroys your legs, um, and I know that they're building that at the moment. I just, I mean, I'm sure they're going to, they're going to be releasing information soon. But you want to start getting excited. You don't, you don't know how you talk about specific training, yeah. skill specific training. I mean, you can do skills to be training for obstacles, you know, per se. Yeah, yeah but of course. You want to be training for what's going to be there. Is if there's going to be a pegboard, let's get pegboard training. Yeah. There's going to be, I don't know, whatever. It's kind of been at CrossFit Games this year, isn't it? None of us really know yeah. what's happening there. I mean, there's going to be a samurai train for it. I, I, we don't know what's going to be there. Yeah, and and I think that really encompasses what has happened in previous years, with that you have a huge hype up. You know, we're 100 days away. We're 75 days away. We, you know, we're two months away. We're, uh, you know, we're 50 days away. Not seen anything this year. You know, normally with athlete profiles, we have John Mylburn mm. signed up. Woo! Let's have a big press release. I've not seen anything, and I've it seems very weird. Medals look pretty cool. Medals do look very cool. They are the same medals as the OCR North American Championships. Oh, I think. And say. I think so. Very similar, which is fine because that fits with what normally happens. You know, every year the world's medals sort of mirror some other race medals, and that's fine. Everyone likes their bling. They look pretty good. They do. Um, yeah, they look amazing. But yeah, it's. That's really not much going on. So not much to talk about, which is a bit weird. It is weird. We're, we're, we are two weeks out. Yeah. Two weeks out. And honestly, normally... Less than two weeks if you talk about the short course on a Friday. Yeah. Normally I'm, you know, I, I'm actually considering doing a run by this point. But again, I haven't, I haven't qualified. <laughs> so it's a very easy weekend for me. I'm not doing anything. But yeah, it's uh, normally a big hype up. But maybe that's why I'm not interested in I haven't gone to the Spartan race. Because there's no world's hype. 
I'm just not interested in doing it. Does, it. it does feel a little flat. It does mm. feel a little flat. I mean, I'm still having an eye whether I do the short course at the moment, yeah. but I don't know what's going to be there. I mean, I'm not an obstacle person, mm. so uh, whether it's pointless me doing it, but I kind of... But there's no hype around the world, and for all the love of the team that are there, without knowing what obstacles are there and what I'm going to be able to have a go on, just not really that fussed about it. So I'm just not planning to go. I guess that's. I mean, there will be people out there hugely excited, completely nervous. As you should should be. As you should be. Just just want to find out what's going on, don't we? I guess it's because every year beforehand, I've had the beauty of you know traveling to Ohio, traveling to Canada. I've got to get there. I've got to. Have we known at this point before though what was there? I can't really remember. I think think we're too excited about going to Canada and not really caring about obstacles. I don't know. It's a road trip. I think Ohio we definitely knew because it was built on a race land, so it was built on. Oh yeah, that's right. Because you knew about the monkey bars. Yeah, so you saw those kind of things. Um, but even at Canada, I think that we knew this race or this, you know, rig was going to be there two weeks before. What we're assuming is going to be there. We've got to assume it's going to be a platinum rig. Of course. So well, it may not be platinum rig branded. I don't know though. Well, yeah. we're going to assume it's going to be a platinum rig and they always do a low rig and a high rig. So yeah. it's going to be two rigs probably. There'll be some sort of flying monkey, I imagine, this year. There's never been you a think? flying monkey at the world. I don't know. Because they don't want to make it more completable. But it's not a hard obstacle, is it? I mean, maybe you're right. Maybe... And what I had a discussion uh, after the European Championships, actually, I sat down with Rachel Ann, Tristan, John Alban, uh, Ginger and Kevin Lacey, a few others, I think. I can't remember who, so if I've forgotten anyone, my apologies. And we were discussing with John what would be better penalties because he didn't like the how brutal that race was. Sure. And he said, you know, he'd quite like some monkey bars that were A-frame. Like you say, they had a um, Spartans at A, so you could go up and down them. Yeah. But if you want to take a quicker route, you could fly and monkey them. Okay. And that's why I asked yeah, you if they were flying I mean, monkey. I say, the monkey bars today were decent. They were a bit, yeah. bit more, I mean, it's a little simple concept, but a bit more innovative, yeah. I thought. They so I decent. wonder whether today they're going to have, or, you know, the world's, whether they'll have the monkey bars and make them slightly different so that people like John, you know, or myself Well, they've got fly. the, uh, what's the, the kingfisher. I don't know if they're going to use it in the worlds, but they've got the, that curve. Mm, yeah, I know the one you mean. Curve. I've not tried it yet, but they've got the curve. You have to drop into the water there, which I find really weird. You're not allowed to try and go to land. That's I'd right. like you, to go to land. Whether you're successful or you fail, you still drop in, don't you? But yeah. at least it's a curved monkey bar. Mm. It's a bit different. And if I like they, it. And it bounces, it. and it's very, very different. But they may change it. They may, they may, maybe use that as part of an obstacle. Yeah. What I'm wondering is if one of the things I love about the worlds is that he, the last couple of years they've had that huge finish, like huge big wooden structures where mm. you've had floating boards, and it's the levels. You're higher yeah. and higher. They had the floating boards, and you went up higher, and you did. A, you want the stuff you don't see day to day. Yeah. I mean, I love nuclear finish. Of course, of course, I do. I right? yeah. down there a lot. I love, love wildfire gym. But you want to see stuff you just don't. So I hope there's something big, something big scale. Doesn't have to be. Uh, hopefully, for me, I can do it as well. So yeah, of course. Yeah. But hopefully, something. Uh, yeah, something big scale. I think generally from speaking to people, there's a very different hype this year. And whether it's maybe, like I say, maybe in previous years, they've spent more time advertising to the English because we're not on site. It's going to be hard to get there. Sure. And this year, because we're on site, maybe they've spent more time advertising to the Americans, the Europeans. Could well be. And we just haven't seen it. Yeah. It could so, be. So, who I, knows? I don't think there'll be that many. I'm completely wrong. I don't think there'll be that many uh, North Americans over. No, I think that in previous years, we've taken more English people to there than they will bring here. And if they do come over and it's pissing down with rain and it's muddy yeah they're going to hate it they're not going to come back next year no <laughs> yeah it's going to be definitely you're going to win or lose I mean, I'm assuming we have it here next year I don't know if it's a two well, year well normally they sign two years don't they it's individual places or one year with a one year extension if they need to but yeah but how's your training going let us know let us know on the Facebook group how's your training going what obstacles do you think there's going to be what do you want to see what don't you want to see what don't you want to see yeah and if you haven't started your training when are you going to community fundraising that needs your support Amazing feat completed by Christopher Shipley. Who is just mental in the head. Ran over 5,000 miles. A coastal run of the entire coastline of Great Britain. Just wrong in the head. 
<laughs> so yeah, thirty-one five. years old, scaffolder. Done. He's done well. He's decent. You know, he's um, he's taken part in the world champs and the European champs. Uh, and came first in the eighteen-hour endurance one and eighth in Europe's toughest mother race um, last year. So you know, he's he's, he's he's a decent OCR athlete. Yeah, I'm expecting him to win the twenty-four-hour worlds next year now. But have run five thousand miles the coastline of Britain. I just can't comprehend that. And Why? he did it for scope. Did it for scope charity. So um, you can check out more and go to chriscoastrun.co.uk to find out more. We'll put a link in the chat, but I think that deserves a shout out. A anyone, massive shout out. Anyone that can achieve a you know entire coastline of Great Britain. I think only four or five people have done it ever. Why would four or five people want it? It's crazy. It's absolutely mental. Um, and I'll put a, a link to his Just Giving page on there as well. Um, well. What are they raised at the moment? Do we know? Yeah, he's raised £7,325. That's incredible. Against a £5,000 target, 244 supporters. Fantastic charity. And if you've got a spare few pennies, tenner here or whatever, yeah, pop it in there if you wouldn't mind. Try and support, but uh, I think what an incredible feat. That's crazy, it's incredible. One for the grandkids. Um, the other shout-outs, we're going to make a little note for the Road, road to Worlds training. For those that are interested in getting themselves, like in my position, skill-ready for next year, Check it out. We'll be interested to see how their athletes go on the start line this year. So I'll definitely be looking for that. But yeah, I think otherwise, the only other shout-out we've mentioned, which is Dan Corner. Five races, five wins. Not a bad record, is it? Goes up tomorrow. For those not aware, tomorrow you'll be aware, because it already happened by the time this goes live. John Alberman is running Spartan Super and Spartan Sprint. I mean, maybe needs- we should do a comparison today of John Alberman versus Daniel Corner. Would they beat John? Alright, John versus Dan Corner. So Dan's never done a Spartan race before. Dan is facing off against John tomorrow, 10k super at Spartan. The question is who is going to win? The answer is Jonathan Alban, because he's faster, better, and knows what he's doing. That's not a disrespectful moment to Dan at all. I understand that you are a phenomenal runner. Jonathan Alban. <laughs> right, let me get some credentials. I sound like a right Jonathan Alban fan kid in this. I right? think this whole podcast is pretty John Alban yeah. friendly. Yeah, I feel like, you know... For the benefit of the listeners, there are other Skyrunners available. I just don't know who any of them are. <laughs> now, by the time this goes live, the result will be known. So I don't think we should agree on who wins today because the result will define itself tomorrow. Okay. But we're just going to give the credentials of two different races. Yeah. And I'm going to defend my teammate from Nuclear Phoenix. Uh, a guy called Dan, Daniel Corner. He's only just started OCR and he's 42 years old. Sorry, Dan. Probably won that shout out. Yeah, I was going to say, are you trying to give me the win here easily? Or? The fact is, this guy has come into OCR, he's done five races, he's won all five, mm-hmm. and taken some pretty good scalps in the process. He beat Tristan at Tough Mudder. Who's never beaten John. He beat Tom Tweddle. Who's also never beaten John. Dan Corner is three-time world quadrathlon champion. So what I hear there is three times not good enough to be triathlon world champion. Fact, but then probably John isn't either, but that's a separate debate. No, it is, yeah. Quadrathlon is the same as triathlon, but you had to add in kayaking. Yeah. I mentioned that because it's upper body strength. So if strength, I do one carries. with nine different events in, I could be right. whatever the ninth. He was also there. world duathlon champion. Okay, I can respect that. I can respect I know a world duathlon champion, they're pretty quick. He was British quadrathlon champion in 2008, world triathlon age group bronze medalist in 2007. We both know how people look on age group triathletes. You're talking about long distances. He was world record holder for the 48-hour endurance running 2009. That's pretty cool. And you're talking about triathlons. He was first at the Dan Buster Triathlon 2007. First at the Helvellyn Triathlon, which is a pretty good race. Really tough one, yeah, 2009. It's cute, it's cute. First at the Bournemouth International Olympic Triathlon. Never heard of Bournemouth. <laughs> That's where we're recording now. First at the Bedford Classic Olympic in 2009. First Come on, Bedford's where my nan lives. First at the Ripon Triathlon 2009, first at the Swanage Triathlon, first at the Thames Turbo Triathlon, first at Milton Keynes Triathlon, fourth at Lanzarote Volcano Triathlon, which is pretty tough. 
Yeah, okay. And it's 10k PB is 31.20. Okay. So Ten, that's 10k PB. When was that? It doesn't give me a date on this. That's funny. So he's okay. expired then. He's expired, maybe. He's, he's, the point is, he's pretty fast. No, those are like, as much as I'm giving you a bit of stick and I've never met you and you're going to think I'm a right twat, they are phenomenal stats. They are ridiculous. A lot of those are big races. Um, so, like, seriously well done. Now, I'm going to say, of course, the favourite has to be John Smart. Yeah. Like, but let's have a little bit of like, excitement. Rather than go, oh, John's walked up, he's won it. Because yeah. I think there's a genuine opportunity here over a relatively short distance. Mm. Not gonna give, no one's going to give much away in the money. Yeah. So here's what I'm thinking. It's not flat course. Hold on, let me finish. It's not yeah, flat course. So uh, having run it today, it is undulating, boggy, bracken. It's bloody horrible if, yeah. you're, if you're a proper runner, which these guys are. And it's very carry heavy. And Dan's top sport isn't running or cycling. It's kayaking. That's I was about to say, he's got the strength. Number so one sport. That. He's going to be good at the carries and he's going to be fast in the carries. He's very upper body based. Obviously, he hasn't struggled with obstacle speed so far because you wouldn't take the scouts of someone like Tristan or Tom if you weren't quick obstacles. Yeah. And it only takes a spear throw failure. That was what I was going to say. So this is the only thing here. We've previously defended John at an Oslo, the toughest Oslo, yeah. where there's fast lanes and easy lanes and you're not going to fail. And if you fail an easy lane, you get up and you take a read, you know, you know that's fine. Spartan race, anything could happen. And that's the problem, you know. John could quite easily just fall off of a traverse ball, a block could fall out. That's a very heavy hoist. Exactly. I think it's the heaviest I've ever done today. Yeah, and how much do you weigh at the moment? Oh, Don't 80, mind me asking. 80 kilos. I mean, 10 kilos too heavy. Yeah, so let's go ahead and guess here that John's probably 70, weighing... 68? I reckon, yeah, I reckon just under 70, because that's where I am. I think he's yeah. lighter than me. You know, I'll say Dan's in the middle of the two. Yeah. So it's probably six kilos. That can make a difference in a hoist. Massively, massively. And, and strong effect, body. yeah. So, yeah, you know what? It's not a given by John. I think John is much more comfortable racing the other people we've gone against him, even if they are better calibre athletes sure. at Oslo. Here, yeah, it's going to be a lot closer, but you've no. listed off his achievements. I'm not going to waste time listing off John's. No, we get, all know John. I get it. And we've just, he's world champion. In every OCR distance, in every Two OCR race. Two times Spartan world champion. Four times obstacle course racing world champion. Sky running world champion three times. But toughest mother world champion now. If you are fighting someone's corner, is he really going to bring his A game to what is, in his eyes, really? It's a B-level race. Spartan wins a 10k super. I mean, it's not really a thing to get out of bed for, it's usually. Not. But do you think he's going to rock up in that respect and go, oh, yeah, it's not an A game, I'm just going to piss around and jog it? Or do you think he's going to go, oh, but you know, I'll win comfortably? If you're not, if you're not anyway, look at Man United, if you're a football fan, look at Man United right now. They've got Paul Pauli's top, top players, but they haven't got their A game. They're not motivated, they're not into it. They and they're struggling. And if you don't bring your A game and someone else does, it just... Man United get beat every season. John doesn't get beaten every season. It's just an example of don't bring your A game. He could be in trouble tomorrow. If he's he could, if he doesn't bring his A game completely. But I don't think it's too much of a problem for him. I don't think John's the kind of person to sit there and be lazy. And he's doing the sprint as well. I mean, a huge um, accolade for Spartan to uh, Windsor to get John Album to the sprint yeah. and the super race. Yeah, exactly. Now, I've got an entry to it as well, but I'm not even going. I was kind of thinking, ah, yeah, that would be a good race to done. Just to, you know, Gonna be on the start line and... Yeah. Sit next to him for two seconds before he disappears. Who are you, mate? Yeah. yeah, yeah. I've never met Ryan. You could have taken so. your top off and got all intimidated. There you in front go. Of him. There there you I'm go. I would intimidate my top off. Yeah. He's belly hanging out. Yeah. <laughs> belly gonna get you. Work. What's that old advert? Belly's gonna get you. <laughs> but yes, yeah, no. Yeah, I think um, it's gonna be a lot closer than some of the other ones we've seen. I just don't think you outdo John. I mean, has Dan done a Spartan race yet? No. His well, first even, Spartan. Even he's gonna need to pick up little hints and things and. You know, Twister's not an easy obstacle the first time you try it, and you know, the carries are unpleasant, so I, as much I, as John's got I a chance... I to be strong on the carries. I'm not disagreeing that, but 
John's got experience on the carries, which counts for just as much of, you know, knowing how to hold a bucket to save your grip strength, knowing how to... But if you go to the Spartan World Champs last year, Ryan Atkins put in, what, four minutes on him or something when it came to the double sandbag carry? John's a quicker runner yeah, yeah. than Ryan, but Ryan absolutely beasted him on yeah, these sandbag yeah, carry. And they're heavy today. It was yeah. £60 that's the, 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 for over 2k. And that's 2k. I don't know if they... I don't know. I mean, yeah, it won't be that long tomorrow, will it? It may not be, but if, it's, if it is 2k in a 10k race, I mean, that's... Horrific. It's a big level up. Yeah, completely. So look, we both agreed probably that John will win tomorrow. But more very likely, probably 85, 90% likely he'll win. Yeah, but I'm definitely... Uh, some of the other ones have been 100% not a chance. I'm keen to watch it. Yeah, I'm going to agree with you on this one that it could be close if things don't go well. So if we're going to grade him, speed, you've got to give it to John. Yeah. Uh, endurance, got to give it to John. Although Dan was 48 hour, whatever it is, but I mean... It's kind of a relevant kind of endurance, isn't it? Obstacles, we've got to give it to John. Dan's yeah. destroying the sport. Uh, history history in obstacle racing, you got to give it to John. Strength, strength. I'm going to give it to Dan. There you go, Dan. It's going to be close, but I'll give it to Dan. I'm, giving I'm it saying Dan. it's close because as much as Dan is a kayaker and he's going to be incredibly strong, John is strong for what he needs to be. You know, I mean, he's strong for this sport. So Terrain, Sky Series Racing is going to be yeah. So probably that's John as well. Terrain's probably a little bit relevant here. It's probably neutral ground for both of them almost. John's much happier in the mountains, I'd imagine, but he's also done enough of these races to know what this terrain is like. So it's probably neutral. Mm. Be interesting. Well, but listen, big shout out. Good luck, Dan. You know, don't let age pull you down, mate. 42 years old, you can go and do it. 42 years young, I think. 42 years well, young. 20, 21st anniversary of his 21st birthday. But what a shout out. I mean, the guys come in and we want good people coming into the yeah. sport. You know, we want them good. I think it raises the profile. It raises the level. Yeah. It means I'm another place further back, which yeah. is, I'm absolutely fine with because I'm a pretender in the sport. Yeah. So, and I don't mind that. You want to... I like that. Pretender versus contender. contender. There like you that. go. Pretender versus contender. Actually, that is a debate. We should do some shout outs. Who are the genuine pretenders? Yeah. The genuine contenders? No, I like that. That well, would be some people a lot of people I'm in <laughs> what do you think you are if you're listening to this now if you had to sum up I would say I'm a pretender yeah pretender every day but you know what do you think you are yeah I like it can you be honest with yourself competition time We had several competitions in our mind, but I think we've gone for Foot in Mouth, haven't we? Foot in Mouth Award, and it goes to... Maybe you might be familiar with Yancey Colt. You'll definitely be familiar with Hunter McIntyre. Two phenomenal athletes and personalities that I have the utmost respect for, so don't think that this is a disrespectful no, They do a fantastic out. Obstacle podcast as well, so if you haven't listened to it, do check out, check out Obstacle Dominator. It's yep. really, really good. And there are very few people I follow for thoughts on training, but Hunter is one of them. So again, not at all a dig. But he's pretty disruptive. He'll, have a, he'll, he'll speak his mind. I yeah, think he, he will. called out and had a bit of an issue with Robert Killian recently. Yeah, I mean, he did pick up a women's sandbag that was half empty, so fair play. Yeah, But um, yes, no, they... They, win the, foot, they win the Foot and Mouth Award. They do, yes. Those two win the Foot and Mouth Award for suggesting that John would never win a Spartan World Championships again for not being a well-rounded athlete. Am I right? Something along those lines? No, let's be a bit fair. They basically said, because they didn't... Unless he acclimatises, okay. he won't be able to win... I had the wrong end of the stick. ...Spartan World Champs. Well, that's what I heard on it, and, you know... And that's a fair point. It's a ve- I think we both said when listening to it, it's a very, very fair point. The Foot and Mouth is ever thinking or ever saying... John ever Alvin writing John Alvin off. ...is not going to win a race. Yeah. You know, there were good athletes out there. Hobie, I don't know if Hobie was racing. Cody. Uh, Cody was, yeah. Hobie wasn't. Cody uh, was. Robert Keane was racing. Yeah. Uh, obviously, Ron Atkins was racing. Yeah. Really strong, strong field. You don't write off John Alvin. No, you can never write John off. So, yeah, the, the foot and mouth award goes for just, just suggesting, even thinking. And I get you're going to favour the American athletes. 100%. Americans like to favour their own. I totally get And that. also, they're used to that climate a lot more than John's going to be used to it. But like, he did go out there two weeks earlier this year, didn't he? He did. And that's why he was at the Tough Motor World. So, there you go. There you, you go. Can't write the boy off, can you? Foot a mouth award to uh, Yancey Culp and Hunter McIntyre. With all the respect we have as well. Absolutely. They do a great podcast. Check out uh, Obstacle Dominator if you haven't done already. 
Great, just about wraps us up, I think. Yeah. Uh, still, check out the uh, Facebook chat, get involved. Anything you want us to cover, put it on there. Any shout-outs, put it on there, and we'll do our best to cover that. And let us know if you're a pretender or a contender, and we'll get on with uh, disrupting and just dissecting some of what you think next time. Or call out anyone else you think oh, is a pretender or contender, that's, and we'll that's feature harsh. I like so it. So there's a chance. If you think one of your mates is a pretender, not a contender, pull them out. Tag them in it. Yeah, and we'll, we'll, we'll give a shout out to both of you. Lovely. Okay, shall we? See you next week. See you then. You've been listening to the OCR Disrupt podcast. If you want to join the conversation, check out the OCR Disrupt Facebook group and get involved in the debate. Till next time. Bye.